morning, everyone. All right, so um, I'm going to introduce myself, and then uh, Eric could introduce himself, and uh, then we'll begin the presentation. So um, my name is Ed Yon. I'm from Windsor, Ontario, Canada, and um, I do counseling part-time at a recovery center in our city, and it's mostly for addictions and some mental health, um, but the topic this, this morning that we're going to be talking about is... Uh, depression, anxiety, and loneliness. Now, in a way, it's kind of a dry, kind of boring topic in a way, but it's very, very important. Every one of you here will experience uh, these things. You will, and some to, some to less degree, some to more degree, and it's really important that you hear this topic. So I've dealt with many young people who have, have had these conditions very, very seriously, um, and they need a lot of support. And there's some among you here that are, are struggling with this right now. And it's important that you hear this, that you have hope, and that um, you can even help each other out. So that's myself. And you may think that this does not apply to you. And maybe you're right. May God be with you that it doesn't apply to you. However, maybe it's going to be a friend that you'll see struggle. And maybe by paying attention to this forum this morning, you'll be able to maybe approach them in a more appropriate way. My name is Eric. I am uh, from Windsor, Ontario, and I, by profession, I'm a nurse. I work in an emergency room, uh, and I specialize in mental health and addictions. Basically, my job is that when someone comes to the emergency room, either as a walk-in or by ambulance or by police, I'm the first person they meet. We'll have a quick chat just to figure out exactly what, what the needs are for the day, and then we categorize them and see uh, what path we can send them down to get the appropriate help for that day. In this forum today, we will be focusing on the challenges that we face that can lead to things like depression, anxiety, loneliness, and then we'll also try to address these and come up with some solutions and some tips. This con the content of this presentation will be posted on the camp website. So. Uh, if you are looking to take notes, that's fine. Um, but if you want, you can go to the website, and don't worry, there's no test after the topic. But I will say, we do have something for you. Over there, you look over there. Um, I know this is a slug. I kind of feel bad for you guys, because after this, you still have another choir practice, right? So you guys are a real trooper. So what we're going to do is, at the very end of the presentation, um, you're all welcome. We're going to distribute some uh, nourishment for you to give you strength so you do a great job in the teen practice this afternoon after, after this presentation is over, okay? Um, so what we're going to do at, right now is we're going to watch a video and it's about five minutes long. Is this going to last forever? I don't have the energy for people, friends. 
out of love with everything, and I convinced myself that everyone fell out of love with me. Nobody understands me. I don't even understand myself. I feel alone, even when I'm surrounded by people. The emptiness overshadows everything. Is this what life is supposed to feel like? The hurting, the despair, the panic, the depression. I want everything to stop. Make it stop. I can't let it show. Sometimes my heart beats so fast I can't even feel it beating at all. I feel like I'm losing myself. And then all of a sudden, I feel nothing. Some days I wake up praying for the day to be over. Is life even worth living in these moments? The questions are endless. The answers are non-existent. For so long, I thought that these burdens were my responsibility to carry. Your burden, fatigue, loneliness, anxiety, depression, it's not your weight to carry. My feelings tell me that existing is overwhelming, but my thoughts do not own me, and I do not owe them. I'm done being chained to the things that depression wants me to believe. Feelings fade, but the truth does not. My feelings and darkness tell me that there is no way out. But the light shows me differently. Days will be brighter. Days will be darker. Healing is a process and processes take time. Don't neglect your feelings, but don't let feelings dictate what is true. Let go of what destroys you. Ask for help when you need it. Do what is good for you, even when you don't feel like it. Give yourself a break. You are not less than because of what you feel. You are not your pain. The sadness will come, the disappointment will come, the pain will come, but that doesn't mean I have to let it destroy me. No matter how happy someone may seem, they have moments when they question if they can go on. No matter how confident someone may look, there are times when they feel unsure and insecure. And no matter how strong someone may appear, they have days when they feel like they're falling apart. Never think for a moment you're alone in your struggles. You're not a mess. You're human. Everyone has a story, but I won't let this define mine. Pain doesn't prevent purpose. It reveals it. So now in my darkest moments, I will choose to see the truth. And I will choose to just be. Be still and know the truth. Be still and know. Be still. All right, so at this time, what we'd like to do is we're going to ask you guys to tell me what you think 
this looks like. What does depression look like? What does anxiety look like? What does loneliness look like in terms of what you saw and other people and yourself? I want you to describe to us, and, just, and we'll repeat it back so everyone else can hear. So go ahead and you tell us what you think this looks like. Ultimate sadness. Great. Any other? Uh... Over here, Ruby. That was a lot for me to repeat. Overwhelmed and um, like just too much to even handle, right? Where you see like a simple task and it's like a big mountain you can't um, overcome. I know I'm kind of interpreting what you're saying, but that was too much for me to grasp. And then, and then because you feel that way, you feel shame about it. Because shame, you feel that yeah, way. that's, a, you that's a big one. You shouldn't be feeling this way. Embarrassment but, where you don't want to talk about it because you don't want people to look down on you. Thank you. Any other comments? Say again. Lack of self-hope. Good. Yes. Any other attributes? What do you think? Uh, what does it mean to feel to be lonely? Is it possible to be lonely right now in the middle of all this? All, all these kids, all amongst yourselves. Is it possible? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so go ahead. I wanted to just give you a little list of some of the symptoms that come with some of these illnesses or conditions. And I may not pause on every single one, but I want to spend just a little time on this because you may recognize it in someone, or maybe down the road you may even go in your own mind through a little list of like, ooh, do I, is that maybe one of my problems? We're talking with depression, it would have to be, and it was mentioned, sadness, but like this persistent sadness. It has to be a prolonged time. And what we mean with that is, you have a loved one that passes away, you'll be super sad. But that will then at one point fade, and you'll find comfort, and you learn to move on. This is a different sadness. This lingers and stays, where for the majority of the day and for weeks at, in, at once, you feel sad and, and just very disconnected. You have this feeling of hopelessness where you cannot see the future with you in it. Uh, you lose interest in things that you... like. Just think of all the things that you really enjoy doing now. Someone with depression loses that interest completely. Things that they used to once enjoy and no longer find any pleasure or any joy in it. There's also a change in appetite or weight that could be an increase or a decrease it's, it depends on the person some of us are stress eaters so when we stressed we eat others when they're stressed they have this big knot in the stomach and just cannot eat at all so we're all very different but those are both definitely possible feelings of worthlessness shame was brought up where you feel like you're just absolutely a nobody not even worth being in a family you feel like your family may even be better off without you you withdraw from your friends where maybe a year or two prior to that you had a huge pool of friends and all of a sudden you find yourself disconnecting from everyone. We saw in that video, in that video how he was about to respond to a text but then deleted it. Slowly disconnecting from people around, around someone. There's also a lot of physical symptoms 
And this thought of not wanting to be alive, of, of saying that I wish I could just go to bed, go to sleep and not wake up. And there's then, of course, the very dangerous symptom on the very bottom. SI stands for suicidal ideation, where one not only feels that they don't want to be alive, but also perhaps come up with plans or ideas on how to end their own life. I wanted to just very briefly, um, 30 seconds, just walk you through maybe a case that came to my mind where this would be a normal day for me at work where someone comes, the parents see that their, their teen is not doing the greatest, something's not right with them, they say, and they bring them in. And it turns out this was a grade 8 student, grade a student doing absolutely great in school, and all of a sudden, the parents could not get this kid to school anymore. I don't want to go. I'm not feeling good. What, what are your symptoms? And I, this person couldn't even explain what it is. Failing classes, missing school, no more connections with friends, completely pulling themselves back, having lost friends over it. And when there was appointments made with a counselor or anything else, they would just wouldn't show up anymore. I'm looking at this girl, and she unwashed hair, unclean clothes, no eye contact when I talk to her, very monotone when I ask questions, and most of the answers are one-word answers, very slowed physical movements, moving like the weight, the weight of the burden of this whole world is on their shoulder. Thoughts are slow. You ask a question, and you can see the wheel spinning, and you wait and wait, and finally there comes an answer, and again, just a one-word answer. No more goals in life. You ask, what's, what are you going to be when you grow up? And just nothing, I don't know. Wants to fall asleep and never wake up again. I Just a, a testimony uh, someone uh, gave me, and I'll, I'll describe it as, as this uh, person described it to me, how I felt completely forgotten by my family and friends, thoughts that no one cares that if I died, everyone else would be better off without me, that nothing could comfort me, and even being in a room full of people, especially people that cared about me, made me the feelings of loneliness even worse. Um, this person also went on to say this, uh, the worst episode I ever experienced uh, where I felt the loneliest was after a, a substitute major church event. This immense feeling of loneliness and emptiness, like there was a pit in me that could not be filled. I know now that it's not true that Christ can make me whole, but in the moment, nothing could comfort me. The thought of Christ did not comfort, not even the idea of heaven rested my mind. As a Christian, I have no fear of death, but in the moment, it felt like I was dying, that even if I never existed, I would still be feeling this loneliness, this abandonment. Anything I grasped for made me spiral more, the comfort of my parents made me feel as if they would hurt me if I trusted them. The thought of going to the hospital had me thinking that the workers there would end my life. I repeated Psalm 23 over and over, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, out loud. Even though these words brought me no comfort, looking back now, God was hearing my prayers and was with me the whole time. This shows you how serious uh, it can be. With anxiety, it looks a bit different. We talk about like lots of restlessness where you find your mind is working overtime, can't shut it down, 
constant worry about things that are completely maybe out of your control, difficulty focusing, no concentration. You're asked to make a simple decision, and, and, and you're just sitting there, and you're like, uh, I, don't, I don't know what to do. Simple little things, and no longer are you able to make decisions. Maybe you have responsibilities as a youngster already, and at one point you realize, I just can't meet my, the expectations anymore. Avoiding activities like church, if, avoiding get-togethers because, again, of that shame and that guilt. Doubting yourself. And again, a lot of physical symptoms. We often see people come to the hospital first complaining of chest pain or just uh, an abdominal pain. And then after doing lots of tests, we realize that everything seems to be fine physically. And when we ask very pointed questions, it turns out that it is very anxiety-driven. And there's often this, this sense of impending doom. And it's very difficult to shake. Loneliness. I'm sure if I would ask for you to raise your hand if you've ever been lonely, I think most of us would be able to say that we've all felt lonely. The interesting thing about loneliness is, logically one would think that you would have to be alone in order to feel lonely. But it is almost easier to feel lonely in a crowd where you feel forgotten, kind of put on the side. No one even knows I exist. Where you feel empty and sad and disconnected. You isolate. And maybe isolate to the point that you just spend a long time just on your phone scrolling. And what do you see? You see all your friends living the happiest lives, posting perfect pictures of beautiful destinations. And here you are maybe just laying in bed, trying to avoid life, and you just see how everyone's life is perfect. And mine is so horrible. It could also be an indication of depression. And that feeling of no one understands what I'm going through. I'm on my own. No one will even understand if I try to explain this. And I'll be labeled as maybe a weirdo or something like don't hang out with that person because something's not right with them. And of course, then the big one is that we're constantly looking to fill that emptiness, that loneliness. And sadly, many of us, including this guy here, we often do it by trying to find the next dop dopamine hit. Meaning, we try to find that pleasure centrum in our, in our brain and try to activate it. Whether that's by looking at social media, scrolling, whether that's gaming, and so on and so forth. All those things are designed to have us come back for more. And yet, it will never fill that gap. All right, at this point, we're going to have a testimony. Please, 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 please. Hi, everyone. Um, <clears throat> most of you guys know me. My name is Jonathan Petrovich. Um, <laughs> I'm your guys' teen counselor, so you guys are probably sick of me at this point. Um, I talked to Brother Ed Jan yesterday, and he asked me to maybe give a little testimony to share with you guys what I went through dealing with anxiety, loneliness, and depression. When I was 11 years old, my older sister, Emily Petrovich, she, her name's now Emily, Emily Ah. She's married to David Ah. Most of you guys probably know them. She had cancer at the age of 14. They found a, a tumor the size of a cantaloupe on her ovary. 
And I remember at that age, the doctors and my psychiatrist and all those, you know, fancy people that help you when you struggle with those things, they told me that because of that, it caused some sort of traumatic way of me interpreting it because I had to see my sister be bald, basically look like a skeleton and be at the brink of death. She survived, obviously, now. She's cancer-free for, I think, over a decade now, now as a child. Glory to God for that. But because of that, for whatever reason, I started struggling deeply with anxiety. And it was something that has been in my family a lot. My anxiety started getting worse and worse, and the fear of me getting sick, of maybe going through what she went through, or just even just getting something like a common flu where I would have to throw up, I started getting so terrified of it, I developed what is called OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Some of you guys probably know it. It's well known for the stereotypical just washing your hands a lot, but it's much deeper than that. I had such a bad fear and anxiety of getting sick that I started creating these things. My mind started in a way to cope with that anxiety and that overwhelming sense of dread of something bad happening. I started doing these compulsions, these tics, that would relieve my anxiety because I felt like I could be in control. If I do these things, I feel like I'd be safe. And I went a step further, and I, my mind started thinking, if I do this, it's actually a commandment of God. I feel like this is what God wants me to do because it relieves my anxiety. So just from a purely emotional and natural sense of my environment, I felt like if I do this, I'm pleasing God. And so I started feeling like if I didn't do these compulsions, that God would punish me by causing me to be sick. So I would do crazy things. I would look across the street seven times before I crossed it because seven's the completion number in the Bible. I would go the right way around everything. I would pray for 20 minutes to an hour before every single meal. It got so bad to the point for me trying to seek comfort in my depression and my anxiety in my, in my OCD, this, this overwhelming sense of dread, that I started trying to find comfort wherever I could. I created an entire numerical language where every single time I looked at the clock, right now the time is 11.06. The way I would interpret that, I gave meaning to every single number. Every digit had a word. 11 meant the word worry. Two 11s would cancel each other out, so I'm not worried. Zero meant nothing. And six, well, six, six, six is Satan's number, and so I used that as the word sick because that was my biggest fear. And so as a way to cope with that, I would look at that clock, and if it was something that made me uncomfortable, because what that would tell me was, I mean, I'm not worried about being sick, so I'd be happy. But if the time clock was something like uh, one, three, 136, well, one means worried, three means tonight, and six means sick. So I would read that as tonight, I'm worried I'll be sick. I would look at that clock, and I would blink, and I'd look away until it read something that made me comfortable, and I would lock that in. That's how I'll feel tonight. It was delusion. It was a way for me to cope with whatever trauma I had gone through. And because of this, I remember I was 11 years old, 11 years old when this started happening. I went into middle school the next year. And in that year, I, it was so bad. I was going around. I was picking up the trash in the hallways. I was, <laughs> I was doing ridiculous things that were causing me to be almost 20 minutes late to every single class. My grades were dropping, and I, I literally failed PE. I don't know how on earth you can fail PE, but I somehow failed PE. So my, my, my counselor had a meeting with my parents and basically said, Johnny has to restart the year. His grades are not good enough. He cannot go into the year. So in the second semester of seventh grade, I dropped out of school and started homeschooling. It got worse from there. Because now I have zero peers. All my friends that I've known since kindergarten I've lived in the same house my whole life. So I... I I had a good established friend group from my cul-de-sac, from kids I grew up with. They all were now not in my life anymore. And I was so unfunctional and so anxiety-driven, I couldn't even leave my house barely. I was so, so lost. And in that, 
I got worse because now I was being secluded from everyone. And I was just home by myself all day. And I started getting lonely and more and more lonely. I wanted a girlfriend. I wanted some kind of relationship. I wanted something that would make me feel completed, something that would, someone or something like that. So then I started idolizing a relationship. And because of my OCD and my fear and my anxiety and inability to actually have a social interaction with someone, instead I just, I got obsessed with like romantic movies or rom-coms or action movies or whatever I could, something to make me feel some kind of security, some kind of purpose. And so I would stay up till 5 a.m. every single night watching movies until the sun came up. And then I would go to sleep when the sun came up and then I would wake up later in the day and then maybe do some homework. I was so lost, the feeling I had was to the point where I didn't know why I even lived anymore. Now, there's a blessing in all of this. Because of my fear and my anxiety, it actually caused me, and realize, it caused me to realize I need the Lord. And so at the age of 11, I started counseling with the ministers. And I didn't get baptized until I was 18. Why, why did Ed ask me to tell this to you guys? Because you guys are not alone. I'm a member now, and I still have OCD. I don't have it like I did before. And praise be to God that I've actually been healed from it in a lot of ways. For me, it wasn't the medical path, but for a lot of people, it is. There's a sister in, in our church back home who's actually going to school now to be a psychiatrist for, speci- uh, uh, for uh, what do you call it? specializing in OCD because she had it, and the medical path helped her a lot, going to see a psychiatrist and taking medication that's that good for you and will help you in those things. I know maybe the video or maybe sometimes these forums can seem kind of unrelatable. Maybe they're a little bit, you know superstitious in the way they feel. That's how I felt when I was in your guys' shoes. But the fact of reality is you guys are going to face these things. You are going to face loneliness. And I'm sure every single person here, you know, we're in the ACC. We don't really practice dating. That's not how we go about it. We try to handle marriage by faith. At least we don't encourage that. That's hard when everyone in the world around you is having these relationships and seeming like they're very close and it's all working out fine for them. And you're really trying to preserve yourself from God. But do you realize the importance of the situation you guys are in? the beauty of your guys' purity and the beauty of your guys' innocence before, before the Lord, and that Satan is going to attack. Now, a lot of these things, like these mental health issues and the things I had, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend like, oh, that was Satan attacking me. Because right now I'm standing before all of you guys, and there might be even just one person in there who went through the exact same thing I went through, and God is being able to use my struggle as now a blessing. Some people, you were just born... Or you develop a chemical imbalance in your brain. There's nothing to feel guilty about it. And it's nothing to, be shamed, to, be, to feel uh, ashamed of. I know people in our church who are schizophrenic who are married and have kids. And they were schizophrenic before they were married. Do not look at it as a sense of, man, if I, if I go and try seeking help, if I try, if I try telling people that I'm having this issue, I'm having these thoughts, these intrusive thoughts, I'm lonely, I'm depressed, I may even want to kill myself because I, I'm struggling to find hope. My depression was so bad, I couldn't even see color anymore. I used to be a very active person. I played every sport you could imagine. I was a a social butterfly. And I became the most introverted person you could think of. There's nothing to feel guilty about mental health. A lot of us come back from Eastern European, have Eastern European backgrounds. And back then, they didn't really understand a lot of these things. And some of our parents might have a hard time understanding that. And I'm not trying to put them down. It's not their fault. You opening up to your parents, talking to Brother Ed, I'm sure he'll give you guys his information and seeking help. There are resources in our church that can help you. And there's hope in that. I'm not lonely anymore. I, I, can, I can finally say as a brother in Christ, there has been times where I was very lonely after the few years of being baptized. 
I'm now at the point where I can go to bed every single night and I, I can feel God's presence. I don't feel alone anymore. I have the hope of salvation. I have the reason for why I live. And I know that the very God who breathed my existence into being that knows every single molecule that makes up who I am has every single DNA in my body of the trillions named. That same God knows the struggle I'm going through. He knows about my OCD. He knew about it before it even became a thing. And he had a plan in which he could be glorified through it. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you may go through, and if you aren't taking this seriously right now, I know some of you guys are tired, and it can be easy just to brush this stuff aside, you're going to face struggles. I hate to break it to you, but one day, your mom or your dad, they're going to pass away. You're going to have struggles. Someone's going to break your heart. I remember the feeling of feeling like my heart exploded and shattered into a million sharp pieces, and my chest felt like it was caving in on itself, splintering it. I had that feeling, and it didn't go away for almost a year. And the only thing that was able to get, that, get me through that is I realized who I am, and the person that God created me to be is not based on my emotions. It's not based on my difficulties. It's based on the solid fact that Jesus died for you and me on the cross. He loves you so much, and he has a plan for your life. Why go through this alone? Not only do you have a bunch of people here that love you in a church that wants to support you and help you get through these struggles that are very real. They're not fake. These are real things you guys are going to go through. But you have a God that created you fearfully and wonderfully. And he has a purpose for your life. And my testimony is much, much longer than that. I don't have much more time. But I wanted just to share that a little bit. You guys are more than welcome. I don't care who you are, what you're going through. I've had people be able to relate with me who had completely different mental disorders. If you need someone to talk to, I'm more than happy to be here and just know that you have hope. You're not alone. God can heal you from this and he can help you through it. And ultimately, he can be glorified through whatever struggle you're going through. Thank you. Okay, so now we're going to look at... Um, why, what are the causes, and, and uh, we were told by Johnny the causes for him. But there could be many, many causes, so we're going to go through the different causes. But before we do, just to, uh, because we're, we're halfway through, but it, we're going to go pretty quick now, I want everyone to stand up and stretch a bit for about 20 seconds, and then sit back down. So if you can just stand up here, give yourself a little stretch, and move your body a little bit. Twist a little bit, make yourself... Uh, <laughs> And then we have another. All right. All right, grab a seat. Another 25 minutes to go. Uh, instead of asking him, why don't you just go through it? No? You want to ask him? They're starting. Okay, so now we're going to look at what are the potential causes of. Depression, anxiety, and loneliness. So we're going, to, uh, we're going to be talking about something that you don't want us to talk about, and that is the use of social media. We don't realize how damaging social media is. If you do a little research online, even completely unchurched organizations have realized that spending too much time looking at social media, using social media, can be detrimental to one's mental health. What does it do? It, it keeps us from being together with our friends face-to-face. -face. I'm sure you have all 
sometimes maybe even giggled about it, when you sit on a couch, all of you, of some of you, like maybe eight, eight friends, and you realize, wow, we're all just on our phone. No one's talking, and you're just scrolling aimlessly. It can also cause this feeling of, like, I, I just need some attention. Like I said earlier, you see friends posting things. You see how many likes they get. You post something, and you're constantly going back to it, checking, did I get as many likes as my other friend? How come I don't get as many likes as maybe friend so-and-so did. You neglect maybe some of the goals that you once had in life because you don't realize how much time you really spend on your cell phone. I know for myself, like I'm not saying that's a teen problem, it's a human problem. Because I myself, sometimes my wife would ask me for a, a phone number for someone. She wants to get a hold of someone. And I give her the number and then half an hour later I realize I'm still on my phone. I'm still aimlessly just going all over the place. Half an hour wasted. It is this mindlessness of you feel like I, I don't have to do anything and you just scroll. And it's really such a waste of time. There's also the danger of cyberbullying. I'm not going to ask you to identify yourself, but I'm sure that we've all to some degree have experienced that too. This social comparison we talked about, unrealistic expectations. You see this so-called perfect world of someone else, and you want to achieve that too, not realizing how fake those pictures often can be. And of course, you lose sleep. We talked earlier about how not sleeping, actually we probably skipped it because I can't recall we did, but for many of these mental illnesses, sleep is key. If you don't sleep enough or we oversleep, it can cause the symptoms of depression and anxiety. So when we are on the phone in the middle of the night, you can't sleep, Instead of maybe meditating and you again spend time on, on the phone, you lose sleep. And it can become this vicious cycle where you then, the next day, you're full of anxiety and you feel down and sad. Okay, so what are some other reasons why you might experience depression, anxiety, or loneliness? One is isolation. If you um, tend to isolate yourself, it's a sign that you, you could be going in that direction. Lack of personal development. Now, all of us, and I know teenagers are, are not maybe focused not on this as much, but you need to, is you need to grow as a person. At, at, at the end of the day, our, we are, our existence is to glorify God, right? So to do that, we need to develop ourselves in, in every way. Spiritual growth, self-awareness. Are you really self-aware of your actions, of your thoughts? Um, ability to communicate. Sometimes we feel a certain way and we struggle to explain the way we feel. And that sometimes is normal. And we, it really stresses us out. We, we, we have this feeling, and I don't know how to explain it to somebody, and they're going to think I'm silly or whatever. But um, don't be scared of that. You still need to speak to somebody if you're concerned. A lack of self-care, we kind of talked about that. What we focus on, uh, Philippians 4.8. What's Philippians 4.8? So our things are good, true, lovely, thinking on those things. And then brain candy, which uh, Eric talked about, which we will typically chase after <clears throat> that, that could cause this anxiety, depression, or loneliness. Uh, also, overthinking, uh, uh, renuminating negative thoughts, our, our mind won't turn off. Um, unwilling to share thoughts and feelings, getting stuck in your head. Our view of ourselves and God. If we don't have a good perspective of God, sometimes that can, be, it can get very depressing. Sometimes we think God is overwhelming, um, that he's looking to, to punish us. In realizing that God is a loving God and wants a relationship with us. Um, now, uh, physically, uh, if you're from a family, some families here, 
if your grandparent or uh, somebody else may have experienced the anxiety or depression, there's a chance that you could also experience it too, just because of the fact of the genetics. You may have more of a chance. Hormonally, um, for ladies, uh, their menstrual cycle or, or puberty, um, for all of us, these hormones can actually really trigger um, uh, cases of depression, uh, anxiety, psychosis, and it can get pretty scary sometimes. So uh, if that happens, make sure you talk to somebody about it. Um, avoidance of activities that could trigger anxiety and being too busy or not busy enough. So what are, what's the problem? So what? I have, I have anxiety. I have depression. What, what, what's wrong with that? What's the problem with that? Well, um, it, could cause, it was mentioned over here, it can cause suffering. It, it really is painful to experience these things and even shame. You feel guilty for experiencing it. It impacts your spiritual journey. It creates poor decision-making. If you're depressed or anxious, you, a lot of times it can lead you to make bad decisions. Uh, strained relationships. All of a sudden, um, some of you get, uh, you have, you're fighting with your friend and they're saying, what's wrong with you? Like, I didn't do anything with you. You take it personal. In reality, that person could be experiencing depression or anxiety. It's, it has nothing to do with you, but your friend could be suffering for another reason. Um, health risks, and that can actually lead, lead to health risks. And it can also lead to addiction. Uh, social media addiction, what we've talked about, but even uh, drugs and alcohol. Uh, leads to poor quality of life, social isolation, Isolation, uh, uh, self-harm, that, that is not the same thing as suicide. Self-harm is where you, you, you feel you want to hurt, hurt yourself or cut yourself, but it, it's uh, something that is more of an anxiety thing. But it, these are potential risks if you, if you allow yourself to stay in these, these modes of depression and anxiety. Uh, re, re, reduced resilience. Um, life is tough. Life is suffering. It is. And it's unrealistic to think that life has to be perfect. It isn't. But God gives us the strength and grace to get it through. And impaired daily living. If you find that you're suffering, if, you're, if your schoolwork's suffering, your family life's suffering, uh, your church life, then maybe you need to talk to somebody. Okay, now we're going to watch... Do you have any comments before you finish off? Okay, we're going to watch another short video.
All right. So I'm actually really excited by the fact that you people can one day, God willing, help out so many people out there who are suffering. So many teenagers, so many even adults, as you grow up into, your, into become adults yourselves, are really hurting. And with your background, if you allow the Lord to work through your life, you can help out so many people. Number one, give them, give them Christ in their life. They need salvation. But and often a way to do that is through their suffering. When people suffer, you can be there for them. And if you know somebody, be willing to help them out. Now we're going to explore um, some solutions to help out. So I'll th- give you a second to look at this. What do you think this is saying? What's this person doing here? Anyone want to take a guess? So you think he's breaking out. Go ahead. Okay. Right. So what, what, how does that, what does that mean? Right. He, he's unwilling. To, he's, uh, he's in jail. He's in a prison. It looks like he's breaking out, but then he just settles. And too often, you're going to be tempted to just settle. I, I, that's who I am. I, I'm, I'm this depressed person. I, I gotta, so you just get comfortable in your depression or your anxiety, and you need to break out. So you need to seek freedom and don't settle. Okay, so the first topic I want to talk about is loneliness. And um, basically, I want to look at a, a biblical perspective of loneliness. From the very beginning, it says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. When God created everything, it was good. What was one thing that was not good? Right? The man should not be alone, and he created a helpmate. So right away, we are designed to be relational. We need each other. The second one, one is Second uh, Corinthians thirteen fourteen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. God, we was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God of the Trinity, and it's this beautiful synergy of God. This relationship that they have one with another. They're one, but they're very distinct. And it's a beautiful uh, view of God. God automatically is one, but he's also relational. It's really important. It's beautiful to see how Christ. Christ, according to Scripture, created all of us, created the world, but it said Christ was in submission to the Father. It's just beautiful to see that. Doesn't make, I don't understand that, but that relationship is just beautiful. So it's very important to, to realize that we all need each other. Going back to social media, sorry. I initially had a slide in there with some stats. We took it out for um, time management purposes, but I do want to mention one thing. Just very briefly there, it is actually proven that if you spend more than 30 minutes scrolling through social media a day, that we are running a higher risk of developing symptoms for anxiety and depression. Remember that next time. And I know, again, I'm as guilty as maybe many others, where sometimes it's much more than half an hour I spend on my phone. We just have to be aware that it can have long-lasting consequences. Expect that your parents may be setting limits on how much you spend on your cell phone. We had the same presentation to the adults yesterday, so you may have given them a little homework. Also, learn to use discernment at an early age. You will hear this from now on until the end of your life. The discernment is key for us to stay in a straight and narrow and to safeguard our own souls. And learn what is 
okay and what is not okay. It is not okay to gossip. It is not okay to bully. It's not okay to share inappropriate material. It's not appropriate to view certain things and guard yourself of any dangers out on, on the internet, especially when it comes to online relationships. Try to get together in person. I know we are now post-COVID. COVID has taught us, sadly, that it is so easy to just hide behind a screen and to maybe virtual visits. Get together as people and face-to-face. -face. Try to in engage one another. Be honest about your relationship with your cell phone and your social media. We can all lie to ourselves and say that we don't have a problem. But if I would have asked you when you walked into this room to give up your cell phone while you sit here, I think we would have all felt super uncomfortable. I know a few weeks ago, I forgot my cell phone at home as I was going to work. And initially, I was even thinking, do I go back home and get it quickly? And I realized, like, I, I don't need my phone for work. I can get through one shift without a cell phone. But we find ourselves, if we're honest, we find ourselves attached to that thing way too much. There's many positive, positive things that we can also focus on. Use it for positive, positive things. Be a good example to your peers. That if you see someone who is maybe no longer interacting in a social setting because they're constantly glued to the screen, just nudge them a little bit and be like, hey, are you part of this or are you not? And perhaps even create a cell phone free zone. Whatever that looks like, whether that means that you use discipline enough to not take that cell phone with you into your bedroom, whether that means that you will take the initiative to leave the cell phone away from the dinner table, whether that means that you get together with your friends for maybe a game night and you collect the cell phones in a little basket and said, well, leave the world right there, let's have fun together. Maybe even consider a little detox where you tell yourself, Maybe a start by saying, every Wednesday, I'm off social media. Wednesday is my day where I will not use my, my phone for social media. Or it could look at anything. It could look like anything, and it's really, the sky's the limit. All right, we're on the home stretch. We're almost done here. Uh, this is the tail end of the, the presentation. Um, another way to, to help ourselves overcome these attributes of the depression, anxiety, or loneliness is to grow in spiritual maturity, to... to Focus on your spiritual life. Uh, focus on fruits of the Spirit. Sometimes, you, what, what does that mean? Grow spiritually. Well, give me something practical. Well, one practical thing is, is focus on the fruits of the Spirit. Look up every one of those attributes there and say, is that me? What would it take to be, for that to be me? Self-care. We talked about that before. You're taking care of yourself. All these different attributes that are listed there. Healing is a slow and long process. We heard them in the first video as well. And that curve, as ugly as it is, it is probably absolutely real. Well, you realize that maybe you'll make a step into the right direction, and the next day just feels worse than the one before, and you take a few steps back. But ultimately, you'll inch yourself further and further toward healing. Don't give up. It's small steps. Make daily commitments and continue on even if the road is as rocky as that curve, if you can call that a curve. Reach out. Don't get stuck in your own head. Don't think that you're all on your own, but reach out to someone 
so that someone else knows your struggles, whether that's your best friend, whether that's your parents, whether that's someone in church that you trust, but reach out and don't get stuck in your own head. And understand that you're not alone. Many others struggle in some shape or form. And maybe not to the point that you have to go to the doctors, maybe not to the point that it really affects your daily life, but enough that it worries you. And if you ask around, if you walk around a bit and see there is others that struggle maybe with similar things or have maybe overcome something and will be able to give you some advice on how to overcome it. Or if it's severe, that they may even encourage you to go and get professional help. See a doctor to see if maybe some medicine will help you fast track that healing process. All right, focus on what you can control. Too often we obsess and worry about things that are out of our control and it upsets us because it affects us. You ever heard of the serenity prayer? Right? God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Understanding unmet expectations. Again, that's a big fancy phrase here. What it means, a lot of times we set ourselves up. We expect, for example, uh, what Eric talked about, that my life should be exactly as, as I see in social media. They have a lot of friends. This person looks uh, gorgeous. This person is, you know, I have to be that, that attractive too, or I have to do those things. That's so much fun. A lot of times it's a bunch of baloney. It's just not really true. It's exaggerated. And the whole focus is creating that picture, not actually, quote, living that amazing life. You set yourself up for failure. So be self-aware that we're not doing that. Uh, setting boundaries. Now, this is, again, a bit, uh, sounds high-techy, but in reality, what, what it means is, I'll give you an example. This is a big, broad topic. Sometimes um, you get in each other's faces, you, 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 you're, 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 you, you step on someone's toes, and uh, it really bothers them because you're, you're messing in something that maybe is none of your business, or you're saying things that are hurtful, and, or you're, you're getting involved with something, and maybe you should kind of like be more careful and gentle. Then you create an offense, you hurt, and next thing you know, you got this, uh, this, this, this tiff going on. So you have to set careful boundaries with friends so that, you, you, that you, you, you're there to respect and love one another. But don't get, or, or another example is if a person, your happiness is dependent on someone else's happiness. So if somebody else, a friend of yours or a loved one is, if they're not happy, then that, that, that makes you unhappy and you get really miserable. And, and so your, your happiness is dependent on them. That's a very dangerous situation to be in. So be, be, be very careful of that. So again, watch to make sure that you, you, you don't go over boundaries in relationships. There's some very useful things we can all do, wholesome things, like reading scripture, like praying. When, when we struggle, there's nothing more powerful than to bring it before the Lord. You're doing your devotionals on a daily basis, perhaps listening to music, Christian music, the words uplift you and, and comfort your soul. to serve. I say this to my patients almost every single time. As long as we just focus on ourselves and, and ask, what, has, what does society have in for, for me? We have to turn this around and be like, what can I do in this society to, be a, to contribute? What can I do to make someone else feel better? And that is to serve. And it can be the smallest little thing 
All right, so uh, we're near the end here. Regular church attendance and participate in church ministries. Every one of your churches uh, needs uh, certain things to happen. I have a whole list there of all those different things that can happen to make the church function well, to be that light amongst yourselves and also to the community. And they need you. They need Every one of us needs to participate. It's not where we go to church to be served. You go there to serve. And when you do that, a lot, it, it really helps out. With a, it gives you an amazing attitude, uh, that attitude where it's, it's much more difficult to feel that depression or anxiety or loneliness if you're out there serving others. Okay, so how can you help? How so each one of you here, one day, even now today, may uh, be thinking about somebody that you know is struggling. So how can you help them? So educate yourself. You, you came to this forum here. You're learning about the situation. Give unconditional love. Uh, just love them. That's the best thing you can do. Don't think that I'm inadequate. You know, they're suffering from anxiety. I don't know how to deal with that. that that's something I'm not, I'm not qualified for. Show them love. Show them you care. That goes so far. Uh, pray for them. Watch the words you use in expressions. Be very careful how you talk to them. So don't say, oh, just get over it. You'll get better. Show that love to them. Um, be a good listener. Don't worry about being, giving advice. The, the key is be a good listener. And then provide accountability. I hope that, especially for young men, when it comes to the area of lust, that you take advantage of each other. Because every, every man suffers, every, a woman too. And sometimes if you want to protect yourself against it, you need each other to hold each other accountable. So that's a great way to help each other out. And remember, there's great comfort in being part of the kingdom of God and the body of Christ. So it's a beautiful thing to belong to the, to the kingdom of God. And I wish that upon all of you, that if you truly want to feel that comfort and put away all those things that really uh, hurt your mind and hurt, hurt your life, is become part of the kingdom of God. So we're going to, uh, just before we hand out so your, your nourishment, um, any questions that we can, uh, you might have, any comments? Otherwise, we're going to finish off. Back there is a hand. Yeah, go ahead. I actually was, yes. Because sometimes, it's not like I'm an important person. I don't have that many texts today, but I do find myself checking quite often. And that's what opened my eyes to the, real, to the reality how addicted I am to my cell phone. So this whole week, not because I'm such a good guy, but this week... I left my phone in the dorm every time I left the dorm for the day because it feels good to disconnect. It feels good to just leave it there and be like, you know what? In, 19, in, the, in the 1980s, 1990s, that's how old I am, we survived without a cell phone. So it's doable. It's just society tells us that you have to constantly be connected and you don't. There's another hand. They can reach me at work. There is a way of reaching me. Good question. Our names are up there. Right, put, them in, put them in your phone and ask around. We'll, we should have put our cell phone numbers on there. I apologize. <laughs> so, but our names are there. Ask around. And you, people are coming up to us all the time I, I, talking to us. So we're more than happy to talk to you. <laughs>